we do with this section of scripture. Um, let's, let's again pray. Father, we believe that without you, we cannot build a house. We labor in vain. Uh, so, Father, please, in your grace, uh, flow through this time, through our efforts, through our listening, and through our speaking. Speak to us, we pray. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. To each and every one of us, we acknowledge that you sovereignly have, have brought us together. You've composed the absolute perfect congregation to worship together today. And it's been a joy to sing together and celebrate communion and to meet new folks and to celebrate your love for us. So now we pray for the joy to continue that you would speak to us and convict us and lead us to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the text, John 6. I've already read some of it, but John 6, 35, and then we'll uh, break it up and uh, think about what is it, it is saying to us. It's in the middle of a conversation. We're breaking in uh, to it. Uh, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Let me interrupt. Notice that phrase, raise it up on the last day. You'll use that four times in, in the rest of the chapter. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Note that's the third time, obviously a theme. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. 
everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Obviously a theme there too, right? Get it, I came down from heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm from heaven. I'm sent by God the Father. I'm not of this earth. I'm something different and above and better. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews, let's see, that's all I'm going to cover today, so I'll stop there. <laughs> and that's a lot. We'll see how we do. The bread of life. So Jesus is in a conversation. He's debating back and forth with the Jews. Remember the introduction to the Gospel of John? It, it says in, in John chapter 1, verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born. Watch this fourfold denial. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Fourfold? No, that's three. Thank you. Nor of, <laughs> not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They were born. It's a past tense verb. Simple past tense, aorist in Greek. Uh, in other words, the ones who received him, who believed in his name, who, to whom he gave the right to become children of God, they were born of God. That's why they believed. That's why they received him. Because God took action on their account. So he's come to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And that's exactly what we see in John chapter 6. These guys should have been falling at his feet, worshiping him. They should have been opening their arms to receive him gladly. And yet they were bickering and grumbling. The, the word grumbling uh, is onomatopoetic. You know, the word sounds like what they were doing. We, we, we just don't like this guy. What he's saying is irksome to us. We are not happy. So they grumbled. He, he makes this great proclamation in verse 35 which all of us should just bow and worship and praise God. We should be the, the guy who says hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever, whoever, it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your national origin, it doesn't matter your, your religious culture, and it doesn't matter what sins you have ever committed. One sin is enough to send anyone to hell. Uh, whatever, whoever, whoever, what? Whoever 
comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus is the bread of life. And this, to me, summarizes what he's saying there in verse 35. Jesus is the means of eternal satisfaction. Isn't that what he means when he says, you won't hunger or you won't thirst? He wants you to be completely satisfied, completely happy. That's awesome, isn't it? God wants you to be happy. He sent the bread of life so that you and I can have all of our needs met for eternity. Jesus is the means. He is the means. The only means, you see, of everlasting blessing to any who comes to him, any who comes to him. And in his words, whoever comes to me and whoever believes in me. To those who come to him and believe in him, Jesus is the bread of life. And again, you should just, you know, drop and give me five hallelujahs, you know. (laughs) This is the gospel, and I proclaim the gospel to you. This is true. Uh, There's relief and release, and the forgiveness of sins is generously provided. And the word is anyone, whoever, whoever comes. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's the good news. But the next word from Jesus is but. (laughs) But many do not believe. Now, this is interesting because we see Jesus interacting with this reality many times over. And we're going to look at those really quickly. How does he deal with this? He's there. He's He's the word of God. He's perfect. Imagine that. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I, you know, up, up to now, 30 years, I've, I've sort of made my living by talking to people um, and preaching. 30 years of that. And I, I can guarantee you, every single time has been far from perfect. <laughs> and every single time I try to preach, I come to the end and go, ah, never again. You know, I... I, I one day, you know, one day I'd like to preach that final sermon, that perfect one, but it, it just doesn't happen. But Jesus is, every sermon of his is perfect. He is perfection. He says it right, with the right emphasis, the exact perfect vocabulary. He, oh, he, he knows his audience. <laughs> he knows everybody, right? And yet, people don't always believe what he says. So how how does he deal with that? How do we deal with being in a situation where most people don't believe what I believe? It feels like I'm kind of alone here. I I came to my own people. These people should have believed him, and they didn't. Well, there's sort of many factors, right? If If you look at the parable of the sower, for example, it's a great story that Jesus told about response to preaching, response to the spread of the good news. There's different responses. The seed goes out there. First, it's on a hardened path. These big black crows come and eat it. I don't know. Does it actually say they're black? I'm not sure. (laughs) 
Well, in my book, they're the black crows. <laughs> they eat the seed, so, so nothing happens. And then, then there's another one, right, that the, the weeds choke it out. And then there's another one, the cares of this world choke out the seed. It, it's in shallow ground. But the, the fourth one is ground that's been prepared, and it receives the word. And that's some good explanations, right? Well, Jesus actually goes right to the sovereignty of God, though. What brings him peace is trusting that God is in control of all of the responses of other people. That God is in control of that. He is reigning in majesty. He's robed with majesty, as we read in the psalm today. And look at how he puts it out here. This is what Jesus says. I, I, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. So many do not believe. We ask, why? Well, and Jesus gives us some reasons why. Ultimate, big, deep reasons. I hope you can read that. It's a little fine print. But these are just the reasons that Jesus goes through. First of all, if you are given to Jesus by the Father, you will come. All who come will be received. See how he says that there in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So he's explaining this. You're not coming to me because obviously um, the Father hasn't given you to me. Because if you were a part of the gift from the Father to me, then you would be believing. You would be coming. Verse 37, all, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And you might say, well, doesn't that sound kind of exclusive? Oh, yeah, it, it is, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> it is very exclusive. But it also has this open-ended proclamation on the end of it, too, doesn't it? And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So God's not going to. You know, somebody's not going to come to Jesus and say, oh, I want to believe in Jesus. And Jesus kind of checks the book. I'm sorry, you're not in the book. Go away. <laughs> That's not the way it happens. Because the one who's coming is the one that the Father is bringing. <laughs> so there is an absolute one-to-one -one correspondence there. Continuing on in this text. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him him who sent me. This is beautiful. Jesus is submitted to the will of the Father. He does the will of the Father. Uh, you cannot uh, miss the Trinity as you read the Gospel of John. It's the, this the, God reveals himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Son is submitted to the Father. He does the will of the Father. And if there is no Father in heaven, as some people teach, while Jesus is here on the earth, that, that Jesus is just another mode of God, uh, that just is, absolutely makes no sense by the way Jesus describes his relationship to the Father. He's here obeying a, another person. <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, but exist in three persons. Um, and he's saying, I'm here not even to do my own will. I came down from heaven not to do my own will. 
we as believers should follow this example. I'm here to submit to God. I want to know God. I believe his word. His word is trustworthy, as in Psalm 93. And I want to submit to it, even if sometimes I don't like it, or sometimes I don't understand it. But it is the word of God. I will do what he says. All, okay, so far I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is, see, look at verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. So Jesus is painting a, a picture for us here that the Father has given him a gift, which is a finite group of people, and Jesus won't lose one single one of those. And so if he's losing some, he, Jesus is saying, they are not a part of that group. So therefore, I trust God with the results. He will build the church as he sees fit. I, and lo look how he puts it. Like I said, we'll see this four times. But I will raise it up at the last day. See, our security as believers, as Christians, as those who trust in Christ, our security is not based on our ability uh, to hang in there, uh, but it is based on who Jesus is. He will raise it up on the last day. You, there's absolute one-to-one -one correspondence. If you're saved, you will be raised on the last day. You can't miss out because of who, who Jesus is. He's powerful. He will do this. He's promised. This is his word. I will raise it up on the last day. Look at verse 40. He, by the way, he's going to reiterate this over and over and over again in this text uh, because he wants to make it abundantly clear. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Those whom the Father prepares as good soil, come to Jesus and believe in him. They call on him and they are saved, securely saved because of the work of Jesus. Now let's look at this in a couple of other contexts. This is the great truth of what's called election in the Bible. And it's laid out very clearly in Ephesians chapter 1. It's laid out in several context but turn to Ephesians chapter 1 Ephesians chapter 1 I just want to look at a few verses here you see I have it in verses 3 through 6 what what do we mean by election this is Ephesians 1 and it really kind of starts out with it could be the word hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. Now, if you had a Greek text, you'd see that the word there is electe, election. So this is where we get our doctrine of election. That he chose us, he elected us, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, saying about love, this oh, the, the wondrous love, a 
amazing love, how can it be? In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. This is what he decided to do. This was his plan. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So this is one great passage on, like I said, the doctrine of election. He chose us in him. There was a, a finite group of people that God chose in Jesus Christ before he created the world. It goes way back. That's when the choice was made. And Romans 9, we won't go there, but it really bangs it out there saying this is before any choice or any will that we had. We were chosen by God before the foundation of the world and we, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Now look with me how this works out in some of Jesus' thinking. Let's go to, uh, I have John 17, 1 through 10. Turn in your Bible to John 17, 1 through 10. If you have a Bible that has titles, this, this is often called the High Priestly Prayer. It's uh, Jesus being the high priest, speaking to God the Father in this great prayer. Um, verse 1 of John 17, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Right, so Jesus didn't bow his head and close his eyes every time he prayed. I guess it's okay to have your eyes open once in a while. <laughs> it's not actually a sin. <laughs> Some of these uh, things we've gotten into aren't necessarily the Bible truth, okay? <laughs> bow your head, close your eyes. You can't pray with your eyes open. <laughs> no one would ever say that, would they? I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, when Jesus spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. See, there's that elect, finite group of individuals that before the foundation of the world, God predestined to, for adoption. And Jesus has been given authority over all flesh to look at the word of God, verse 2, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. The same vocabulary we find in John 6. This gift you've given him. You've given Jesus. This is eternal life. That they know that, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. See, this is, I will raise him up at the last day. Uh, what did he mean at the place of the skull on the cross when he said, it is finished? It's the same exact word in Greek. Uh, telos is the root word. It means goal. It means the purpose. Jesus was sent for a purpose. He accomplished the purpose. It's completed. It's finished. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work. Well, what was the work? 
He said it in verse 2, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. He accomplished this work. It is complete in the mind and will of the eternal will of God, beyond our capacity to even understand this, by the way. I'm fully aware of saying that this warps the mind. Anybody say amen on that? Amen. I mean, listen, it warps the mind. It's way out there because we're trying to describe the work of God as finite beings. And we're trying to describe the, the uh, infinite, non-created being who is God and his relationship to his creation in our finiteness. We're trying to describe that relationship. And thank God, hallelujah, he's given us his word in human form in order to understand it as much as we can. We'll be unpacking this box for eternity. Oh, okay. But here, let's get back to the text. Um, by the way, that verse 3 is glorious. <laughs> and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus existed forever with God. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, uh, God was, God, I'm sorry, I'm murdering it in my fastness. Let's, let's look at it. It's too good to murder. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is Jesus Christ. This is the one when he says, and I will raise it up at the last day. He can do that. He can guarantee our eternal life. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. See, this is the fact that Jesus is fully God. God does not share his glory with lesser beings. Jesus Christ, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same glory as one God, one essence, different functions. Honestly, what you're saying, well, Nate, why are you hammering on that? Well, on, the Trinity's being attacked all the time. I had a guy wander into this church this past week and sit down with me for half an hour and attack the Trinity. You know, and he goes through all these little, tiny little references, this and that and this and that, trying to prove to me that there is no Trinity. And, you know, I'm thinking, how can you even understand the Bible without that? That's, that's to me, it's abundant. Um, anyway, verse 5. I have manifested, this is verse 6 now, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. See, there it is again. This finite group of people. I have let them know your name. And the name means his character, his nature, uh, everything about him. He's revealed God. I've, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. 
I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. See, clearly, Jesus, in his absolute sovereignty, knows who the elect are, the chosen finite group, and he's praying for them. Now let's step out and say, who's Jesus? I'm not Jesus. I don't know who the elect are. Uh, I preach it to all and to reach out to all. Uh, the great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon, he said he, he wished, I think he said, I wish the elect had a yellow stripe up their back. Then, then we could know, you know, who we're supposed to preach to. But short of that, I preach to everybody. <laughs> and for 20-some-odd years, he preached to 10,000 people in the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London without a microphone. <laughs> great uh, Baptist preacher. But so Jesus knows, but we don't. Um, okay, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. All right, let's just stop there. I, I want to turn out to bolster this to John uh, chapter 10. So you see John 10, 14 through 18. I have a sense that I'm not going to finish this sermon today. <laughs> or at least not finish it and still have an audience. <laughs> and that's okay. It's, uh, this is uh, very important information. We're getting into the mind and heart of Jesus, how he interacted with the world. Now, this is John chapter 10. And uh, I want to cut in at verse 14 through 15. This, I think... Uh, this was already read today a little bit. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loved me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my own life and have authority to lay it down. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. So let's look down um, at verse 24. It says, so the Jews gathered, let's see, I think I have that, oh, verse 25 through 30, uh, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him, again, these are the people who were his people. The Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus said to them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. The evidence for God is abundant. It's everywhere. And you've seen the miracles I have done. But you, look at verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. See, when pushed, when in the face of flagrant unbelief, Jesus interprets it through the the lens of sovereignty that God is sovereign over this and he doesn't have to panic 
He doesn't have to freak out. He doesn't have to say, well, I better change my message. You know, if God wants me to draw larger groups of people, maybe I should dumb it down. Maybe I should remove this or that to attract more people. He doesn't do that. (laughs) He says it gets down to the fact that you're not coming is you're not a part of my flock. How how would he say this out in public? (laughs) He does. Look at what he says. My sheep hear my voice. Evidence that you are a sheep of God is that you hear the voice of God. You hear the voice of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. See, that our security is based on the sovereignty of God. Many do not believe. touch something and it goes away. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is this spread out? Sorry. Many do not believe, and then I think this is the last slide there. Uh, we are utterly secure if we are a gift from the Father to the Son. All who look and believe in Jesus, the Son, have eternal life and are fully secure. Let's just close here. What am I saying? I'm saying that this is glorious. Jesus has looked at the sovereignty of God, which we're going to open up a little bit more next week too, Lord willing. But he also keeps keeps the invitation very repetitively broad, doesn't he? All who believe, all who come to me, they will be saved. They will be utterly secure. I will raise them up at the last day. No matter what they go through in their life, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how the seas roar, we are still His. And we, we know we have eternal life. We have heaven to look forward to. We have full satisfaction to look forward to. We may be in a situation, and we know there are believers right now in horrible prison situations uh, in, in various places of the world. How can a believer sustain that? By knowing that I will be fully satisfied temporarily. I may not be happy. I may be miserable. But eternally, I have the bread of life. I have eternity of satisfaction because of who Jesus is and the power of who Jesus is. We're saved by the grace of God, not by works. I'm not saved by what I can do. I'm saved by the sovereignty of God by the fact that he opens my heart to hear the truth and respond in faith, by the fact that I'm a sheep of Jesus. That's what saves me. Let's pray. Dear Father, we've taken a few minutes to kind of introduce this text. and We commit this to you and ask you, Lord, that you would open our hearts to see your truth and believe, not to be like the grumbling Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes who had rebellion in their heart they rebelled against you lord and they rejected jesus who said i am the bread of life and they they rejected the fact that he came down from heaven that he was god's provision they rejected his teaching on the full sovereignty of god and the provision of god in in jesus lord help us to be the people who believe open our hearts to see your great truth i pray in jesus name amen